so natural. That is so that noise you're hearing is the unmistakable sound of a pint of Guinness clinking a cup of coffee. Um, I'd know it anywhere. You do well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> because we are home in Ireland. Yes. Uh, it's Christmas time, and you're listening to the cinema. And we're in a pub. We're in a so pub. So excuse the. Um, but some, I needed a some coffee. Ba- some background murmur here. Yes. Um, and I needed a pint of Guinness. Uh, yeah, I'm Dave. This is my wife, Kathy. Hello. This is the cinema where we walk home from the movies. Uh, today we are looking back on the year that was 2018. And oh. we're not even talking about movies because um, we watch a lot of TV, probably more TV than we watch movies. And um, we did an episode last year where we did kind of a bonus best of TV. Just because we felt like it and we ended up getting a lot a lot of listens and lots and lots of feedback and lots of people who said they really enjoyed it so we decided to do it again and honestly it was hard for me to pick shows because there's been such amazing TV this year I've found this list easier to do as in I had a lot more to put in it than I than I had with my movie list this year it's yeah. been a great year for TV I'm, d- I'm with you because Overall, when I look at all of these TV shows and then I look at all of the movies that uh, we had seen, the quality of the the TV list is yes. like 10 times better. But partly that is because we've got access to all premium TV, right? We've got Sky, we've got Netflix, we've got Amazon, we've got Free to Air. Whereas cinema, a lot of the really quality cinema, we just don't have immediate access to because we don't live near an art house cinema. We have like mainstream titles. We can't go to the cinema as much as we want to because we have a kid. Whereas TV, it's right there on our doorstep. Uh, no, it's right there in our living room. And um, we It's on our access. doorstep. It gets delivered it to gets us. It gets delivered to us. But you know what I mean? It's a lot easier to access premium TV than it is to access premium movies. And I think that's, that's probably more of a factor in it than the quality of, you know, I'm sure you could pick out amazing quality movie titles this year that we've just not seen whereas we've seen the big TV ones um, so what we're going to do today is as we did last year we're going to do our top five of the year counting backwards and as we do with our movie review neither of us know the other one's list which is like highly thrilling we're very secretive about these lists in our house then we're going to do honourable mentions except you're looking at mine I'm here. not looking, don't, don't looking at, at my notes. I'm looking at my coffee um, then we do honourable mentions things that didn't quite cut the top five but that we really enjoyed then we do disappointing because there's some disappointing TV out there guilty pleasures and things we should have seen but didn't see because for whatever reason we didn't get around to watching them but they sit in our planner waiting to someday be watched <laughs> <laughs> everyone got those things everyone got those things it's usually the slightly higher brow things that you think oh I'll watch that someday um, like the time we rented Rabbit Proof Friends three times from, <laughs> from the DVD shop and never watched, never watched it, it. All right. Um, right straight to it Dave what's your number five my oh. number five movie TV show <laughs> wait what <laughs> the Guinness is kicking in also um, we're, we're, we've ordered some food so we may have to pause when the food arrives FYI or I could just chow, chow down yeah. loudly down into a microphone it's lovely to eat everyone would love that yeah. um, my number five TV show of the year is one you didn't watch but um, I watched we watch lots of TV separately by the way so these lists be quite different it's season two of American Vandal uh, so for anyone who doesn't know American Vandal is a uh, I guess simplistically speaking a mockumentary mm-hmm. it's, a, well, it's a fake documentary that's what a mockumentary is uh, yeah but mo- I feel like mockumentary doesn't do this show justice uh, because this is a meticulously crafted um, satire of the modern day phenomenon of uh, podcasts like true crime podcasts mm-hmm. for instance like serial um, or TV like making a murderer exactly all, all this stuff so it, it's ne- it's a Netflix produced um, show which is parodying 
what Netflix uh, does very well in, in many other circumstances. So you've got the what the staircase, the nun, uh, uh, not the nun, the, the the keeper, all these things. There's hundreds of these things, um, and they're very compelling. But what this show not only does so well is nails the format of those things perfectly and sort of riffs on it uh, for comedy but also manages to be a compelling um, true crime story in its own right um, especially when it's dealing with such uh, it's, I mean the, the joke is that it's dealing with a particularly silly subject matter um, but it's treated with dead seriousness like this is not um, I mean it's like it's like South Park and the best sort of comedy is done with uh, complete like seriousness it's po-faced yeah um, the I, I banged on about season one you did last, last year, year didn't you um, it was on your so list largely I think it was I think it was one, definitely on my list um, and both times I've watched the first episode and then gone meh I'm done with it now but that's the, <laughs> no, so that's the thing with this show you can and this happened to me I looked at the trailer for this and then it popped up on Netflix and I thought alright like that's like a one night one note joke like how is how are they going to ring ten episodes out of this and I started watching it and then slowly it just gets its claws into you and by the end I was begging to know who drew the dicks in season one. And in this one it's who made everyone poo by spiking their drinks. Yeah, so yeah. so in this one without no spoilers, so, so we should have said there won't be any spoilers here for any of, uh, any shows, any of no. these shows beyond the, pr- the basic premise. Yeah. But the premise of the season two is you've got the same uh, documentary movie makers uh, from season one, same high school students, but this one uh, is the case of the turd burglar who managed to feed an entire school laxatives and they all uh, shat themselves at the exact same time and again an Dave incident. I'll take your word for it that it's a great show but I'm not going to watch oh, it oh so good um, but the incident is called the brownout uh, <laughs> there's so many funny names for this stuff um, and to the point where um, we started calling uh, toilet emergencies with our son brownout yeah <laughs> I mean it's a great house. term it's a great term uh, but um, anyway I won't bang on anymore about it it's uh, it doesn't look like it will be great. It is great. Please give it a chance. Okay, and that's on Netflix. So we'll tell you where we watched all these so you can you can access them. And speaking of shows we've seen before and have been on this list before, I have in my number five a show that I had in my list last year, which is Insecure, season three. Um, I love this show. Dave, you kind of stopped watching it or else I went ahead without you. I don't know which one. I think I went ahead without you and then you couldn't catch up. Um, well, quickly, I was less interested in watching it. The show, I think, is very good, and I like the the writing, and I like the leads. Um, but it just didn't it didn't grab me. Didn't I'm grab not compelled you, yeah. by any of the stories. It's one of those shows didn't, that um, just didn't fancy sticking with it. And so it's a HBO show, so I watch it on Atlantic, and um, it is one of those shows that like. I can see how if you maybe kind of stop watching it it's hard enough to get back into again but this is what I really like about it actually and it took me a while to get back in again I have to say like I recorded loads of episodes before I started watching it because you know there's no hook it's not a Game of Thrones where you're dying to see what happens next what it is is um, so it's a show written by and created by and starring Issa Rae who's an amazing um, talented woman she's in her early 30s she's the first black woman to create and star in a cable show in the states like she's she's done really groundbreaking stuff and how she got started was she actually made like a a web series called awkward black girl and it's honestly just it's just like kind of regular stories about regular people but with all the characters are black and like it's shocking how rare that is on tv like it's just outrageous really and uh, and everyone in the show is pretty much all the all the main characters are black and it's just um but that's not why I like it like that's brilliant but why I like it is because it's just such a lived in world with characters that I love to watch and it makes me laugh but it's not it's not laugh out loud comedy like you're not you know rolling off your seat laughing it's just like humorous 
Um, and it's in a setting I've never watched before. Like, she's a social worker and she she works in an office with all white people and the, the racial politics are so funny in her office. And then it's just regular, like, you know, women and going about their lives. Like, her best friend Molly always has amazing plots where she's, like, kind of a social climber and she's a lawyer and she's trying to make partner. And I just love the stuff they do with her work dynamic. I just love Issa Rae. Like, she's so endearing. I love watching her. And, like, as a character, she's really funny. Like, she raps all the time in the mirror and there's just all this weird stuff. But it's such a lived-in feel. And, like, it's a funny thing. The end of every season, this happens to me. I'm just kind of watching it. I'm, like, engrossed in the world. I'm just enjoying it. I'll just go on to the next episode. And then suddenly the season ends because there's no real peak like it just there's no kind of mad cliffhanger or like you're not left on a peak and then it ends and every time it ends I go oh I didn't think this was the last episode and I'm really disappointed um, but yeah I just love it honestly it's just one of my favourite shows in the world and um, I recommend it to anyone who's looking for a good show so yeah that's my number five Dave number four my number four of the year is um, American Crime Story Versace Assassination of Gianni Versace. Oh yeah, the assassination of Gianni Ver- Giovanni Versace. And it's I think American we had American Crime so Story last year on our list. Though Jason you did, I, I did. Yeah. I uh, hadn't really watched it. I sort of dipped in and out. Yeah. I th- I th- from what I saw of that, it looked excellent. It but, so this is a season two of American Crime Story, which will focus on a different true crime story and the sort of I would say slightly fictionalized uh, retelling. Or it's, it's this in this instance, it is based on a book, which is a sort of by a biographical slash true crime telling yeah. of, the, of the incident of the assassination mm-hmm. of Giovanni Versace. Um, this was a brilliant uh, show. This is a brilliant series. Um, I didn't know anything, not a bit, about the the incident, um, and I would recommend anybody who doesn't. So I won't speak to the detail of it yeah. because I would say to me it was a surprise, um, and the detail of it is is fascinating particularly the character of the person who um, Andrew Cunanan Andrew Cunanan yes who Cunanan. Who, uh, who assassinated him um, and it's kind of like a telling of both it, it tells it gives you a little bit of insight into Giovanni Versace as a character but really this is Andrew Cunanan's story which is an interesting point of view because this is the story of the man who killed him um, but basically, this is also a great bit of sort of storytelling. It's told largely in reverse, sort mm-hmm. of memento style, which can be a gimmick, but it's uh, it really works worked here, very yeah, effectively really worked here. here. Um, quick shout out to Edgar Ramirez, who played Giovanni <laughs> Versace. I thought he did an excellent job. Uh, Penelope Cruz shows up in a really sort of bizarre performance she of Donatella so good, yeah. Versace. It was weird. Um, but like Penelope Cruz is Spanish doing like this impeccable Italian accent which like at one point I nearly had a subtitle because well, I couldn't a bizarre, understand her. It's a, it's a really interesting performance yeah. and I think the two of them are actually friends in real life. And and the story, I mean, the, the, the details of the story are horrifying. Uh, horrifying. Um, and yet you life. somehow end up rooting for Andrew. <laughs> I the, mean, it's weird. Well, You're kind of kind by of the end rooting for him, which is weird. Not like, really. The, um, oh, maybe but they, but they do a very good job. <laughs> yeah, it says a lot about you. The, um, <laughs> they, I mean, they do a very good job of... I mean, it's very... It's, it's a very, you don't want to say that they humanised a murderer. <laughs> but they did. But they, but they kind of did, or at least they... Um, you can't empathise with his actions but they fleshed him out it's a very interesting character study yeah. um, a quick note I should say the Versace family basically came out and said that 
they think this is all a work of fiction and it's all nonsense. Particularly the details around oh god, I'd be Giovanni's raging. Life. If I was However, his family, I would be raging about this. But show. interestingly, I've, I read that Donatella and Versace and Penelope Cruz are good friends in real life, and she was up for the Golden Globe, and uh, Donatella sent her like a hamper to her dressing room saying "Good luck." And, and <laughs> That's like, cool. There's quite there's quite interesting sort of behind the scenes stuff around this. Yeah. But anyway, uh, massively recommend. Do check it out. And we watched that one on BBC, right? We did. Um, so might still be on the iPlayer I'm not so sure they, do you know what they did they brought it back again and it was available on catch up again because recently someone I worked with watched it but I don't know if it's still there and where is it available for our American listeners don't know FX sorry I think it's an FX show I'm almost probably because he yeah. does mostly stuff um, so my number four is another ne- uh, is a Netflix show uh, my first Netflix show The Haunting of Hill House is that what it's called yes Yeah. Um, I kept forgetting the name slightly but oh my god did I love the show and this is one we watched together and we absolutely we, we binged through it as much as we could but it was so scary that we could only watch one episode at a time <laughs> we watched it over the space of about a week which is good going for us um, at the moment because we we're like really tired the baby and work and everything and uh, we just couldn't and I I hate horror right I don't watch horror and then this year I did go and see Hereditary because it was so acclaimed and, and enjoyed it and then I just loved The you know, Haunting of Hill House but why I loved it is okay putting aside the horror stuff for a minute it's basically This Is Us it's an amazing family like melodrama told really emotively through like different perspectives and each episode is like through the perspective of a different character which I always really enjoy and they just did it so well like it's such a well paced show and the horror stuff like there was a truly scary moment when we both actually screamed on the sofa that was so good um, and it and I mean, that was a jump scare a jump moment, scare that was just yeah, fucking I mean, brilliant that, which is what I want from horror like yeah. I hate when there's no jump scares in a horror I'm like what, what am I spending my money on um, one of the things I really liked about it is that there was like a stellar ensemble cast and it didn't do that thing that so many like prestige shows do now where they kind of get in loads of big names I'm, like something like Big Little Lies which I'm not dissing because I loved that show and it was my number one show last year but that's just the cell is this a huge star cast. power Whereas this is like the cell is the amazing ensemble. Now, like I recognise that. Hang on, that's, that's not the cell. That's not the marketing. Cell. No, no, I'm saying like that's what keeps you in because the ensemble oh, yeah, is so amazing. They, they it's are not brilliant. like there's some recognisable people in there, but ultimately, you know, there's no Nicole Kidman's like. Funnily enough, the guy who plays Elliot in E.T. is a grown-up in this, which I didn't realise until someone told me. And as soon as they told me, I was like, oh my God, of course it's him. Um, yeah, because he looks exactly the same. Yeah, but it, it's honestly older. the best of fun as well, as much as there's really grim themes and it's scary. Like, it was just a fun, perfect, sit-down, complete escapism show, like, just done so well. And there's this isn't a spoiler, but there's one character in the show called the Bent Neck Lady, and, like, I am haunted by that character. <laughs> like, I was up with Oscar, like, a week or two ago in the middle of the night. Did you see her? And I swear to God, I I was like it was it was when we were in the, right in the peak of watching the show and I was kind of half asleep and I was like walking around the room at three in the morning and I swear oh I saw the bent neck lady God. it was terrifying um, it was just it was leaving me chilled like after we'd watch it before I went to bed I'd have to read a chapter of a book or like just do something um, that's oh, normal you have to unwind from a horror coming. movie yeah. oh, we're thank gonna you pause. so much thank you lovely thank you brilliant Cheers. right we'll, we'll leave that in a minute um so yeah I just loved it I just honestly thought it was the best of fun it had scares it had amazing family dynamics I loved the cast there was one slight slip up I thought where there was a character who's like a drug addict and it kind of turned into an after school special a little bit <laughs> like when you've gone from watching stuff like The Wire we've watched and then you watch this this drug stuff we were a bit like it was well done but it was just a bit like it was a bit cheesy it was almost like a bit of a murder she wrote moment um, but honestly yeah loved it never thought I'd have a horror show on my list and uh, absolutely loved you know the way the Netflix model sometimes I don't like it because with certain shows I want to wait, wait week to week 
and like get the build up but with Haunting of Hill House I just wanted to binge it and, and it was just really fun loved it and the creator of this is a um, a horror director um, whose name I can't remember uh, but <laughs> <Great>. he <laughs> thanks Dave for that insight but he's a he basically sort of uh, he created this he directed uh, one of the best episodes in this which I think is episode 6 which uh, no spoilers but it's uh, it's got a lot of really brilliant camera sort mm-hmm. of um, really long it's, shots it's, ve- it's very ambitious it's full it's all it's like the whole episode's made up of maybe four long takes um, largely plays out like a play like they built it's worth just watching the behind the scenes stuff of this alone because they built like huge sets uh, that accompanied um, so sets based in different time periods oh my god that, I love that, that connected with oh, each other oh didn't even mention all the stuff in different time periods and different kid actors playing the adult actors and the kid actors are incredible yeah because you so often yeah. see and you know bad kid actors for whatever reason either they're not directed right or they're not cast well these were just you know when you see a younger version cast and it's like perfection the casting and you love the kids and you see so much in different time periods which I love like I'm always suffer for that so yeah that was it's awesome. a brilliant show really entertaining uh, and Dave the, get it on your own list if you want to keep talking about but it the, the, the <laughs> just okay, quick, quick this note. Is my list. there's also it's ridiculously my clever list. to sort of re um, rewatch because I, I watched a YouTube video which had like all the hidden ghosts in oh really haunting of Hill House and there's oh go- I need to do that the, we didn't even spot like 90% of them the ghosts are in the background of almost every shot like just they they like absolutely infect the whole thing they're inhabiting every frame and sometimes you don't even notice it well what you're inhabiting is my list so get back to your own <laughs> am I not allowed to talk about no. it what's right. your number <coughs> what are we up to three um, my number three of the year is of the year. sharp <laughs> objects uh, so this is the HBO um, adaptation of Gillian Flynn's novel sharp objects uh, starring Amy Adams and uh, Patricia Clarkson um, as her mother. Um, and Amy Adams plays a journalist who um, is sent back to her hometown to investigate a series of missing children. Um, which doesn't sound like a very interesting premise. It sounds like classic sort of um, out of the, uh, the, the, the sort of classic crap crime setup nonsense um, in a novel but really for me this isn't about the murder mystery stuff or the any of that that and that and I think the show identifies that and puts that to the back to the background this is a superb character drama uh, based on a, a a protagonist's relationship with her past I mean classic I mean it's a classic sort of setup somebody returning to their hometown oh, yeah, the after leaving years later. I mean who's famously um somebody stated there are only two types of stories um a stranger arrives in town or a, somebody goes on a destination or something like that. So this is essentially You've mangled that the, the former. <laughs> totally have. What is it? Someone Sorry, go, I'm too busy eating. Some, to what is it? Fun. Someone goes on a journey or a stranger arrives in town? Yeah. Um, and What's so good about this show is, I would say, the real star of the show is the director uh, Jean-Marc Vallée. So he's um, he basically directed every single episode of this show, and he directed every single episode of um, Big, Big Little Lies. Little Lies. Um, but Which are two he, so different shows. It's amazing. He infused a sort of um, a th- this show feels hot and sweaty 
and gross. That's even gross what you just said. No, no, it is. It's like it's atmospheric. Don't you think so? Because it's said in the. It feels hot and sweaty. (laughs) 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 It did. It looked hot and sweaty. I was sweating watching. It's not porn. It was. It's set in the deep south. Um, I, I forget where exactly, but it's this. It's old school, rich family. Uh, the mother, played by Patricia Clarkson, is just superb as this sort of old, wealthy, um, sort of the, the richest person in town. Owns like a pig factory, but um, it's a it's a sort of a dirty looking show. Um, it's got a brilliant uh, soundtrack. Um, which is another sort of hallmark of, of his that Big Little Lies had, uh, like brilliant use of songs. Um, he does a brilliant thing in expressing the character's memory. Um, so it's he sort of visualizes her memories of the place and her as a child in the place in reality. So it's almost like she, Amy Adams, is seeing ghosts of her of, of her memories in front of herself. Yeah. Um, but the way the way he cuts and edits this all together as well with the memories is is just beautifully done. Um, and at the centre of it all really is uh, two brilliant performances from uh, Amy Adams and um, Patricia Clarkson as her mother. Yeah. Just like anytime they're on screen together, it's amazing. It's just they're like beautiful. crackling together. Oh, it's so good. And um, two other performances I like to call out are uh, Eliza Scanlon who plays Amma. Yeah. Um, uh, the sort of her younger sister Emma and uh, Henry Zerny I don't know how to say his name but he plays Emma's father and we were talking oh, about brilliant. him uh, recently on our um, Mission Impossible yeah, he's in the first Mission Impossible movie the, so he plays the agent hunting Tom Cruise so in the good. first Mission Impossible yeah. who we were, we were talking about doesn't get enough credit he's a brilliant he's sort of he was a fantastic Tom um, Cruise in that he was a fantastic pantomime villain in the show um, which was one of my big guilty pleasures a few years ago um, Revenge <laughs> He was amazing in Revenge. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's just like the campus performer. He's just so good. But he was perfection. He was Alan in this, wasn't he? So good. You yeah, always just wanted to see what Alan was doing in everything. Brilliant, every scene. brilliant. He was like the ghost in the background of um, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. <laughs> just there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, like high, high recommend. Uh, we watched that on Sky Atlantic here and it's HBO yeah. in the States, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. And what next? Okay, so my number three. <laughs> is one that you've already covered which is why I was not saying too much in the assassination of Gianni Versace or is it Gianni or Giovanni 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 Um, okay so you said a lot so I won't say too much on it but I think one of the things you kind of didn't stress enough was the amazing performance of Darren Chris. it's literally the performance of a lifetime I he was like this is just a completely overused expression but I can't think of how else to describe it he just like tour de force of energy on the screen like honestly he is he manages to play a character that's like charismatic terrifying he's a compulsive liar he's horrific he commits horrific crimes and yet I was genuinely rooting for him now part of that is the backwards way they told the story as well so I guess we're more and more distanced from the crime in a way because and this might have was probably one of the intents of doing that you see the crime first so by the time you're like seven episodes in you're so far removed from that that you're actually like just following this guy and you I, I just his performance was incredible like I don't know if I've actually loved a character more on screen this year and, and that's like a character who's horrific because he humanised him and he gave him such dimension and his, the character was such a liar and like watching him acting someone who was lying so profusely was just like something else and he's just he's just camp as hell like he's amazing and uh, and the character like his character and I know look it's based on real life but like a lot of the stuff is you know obviously like dramatised and fictionalised but the, the character the 
his character, the childhood his character had, I have never seen or heard of anything like it. And I did like read up a lot on it afterwards. And apparently a lot of that's like largely true. So I won't go into spoilers on like, you know, it's not spoilers in the show, but like how he was raised and how that kind of fed into what he become was really fascinating. And and the backwards way it was told. And, you know, he didn't just kill Gianni Versace, he killed other people as well. Like he was he was on the FBI's most wanted list. Yeah. And it's a huge thing in the 90s. And, you know, as Dave said, obviously, it's fascinating just to watch that portrayal of 90s life as well for gay men in America. And, you know, in this as well, there is stuff around AIDS and, like, there's so much discrimination. And it's just, like, it's just a, a world I really enjoyed being in, albeit I was found some episodes really distressing to watch because, you know, you're... And this is why I'm actually not someone who watches true crime stuff. Like we mentioned, things like Making a Murder and those Netflix stuff. I never watch them and I don't like them because I really, truly don't think that it's right to for people to make money. And and I really think it's not right. For, like, you know, you've got these channels where they just have like all this true crime stuff. And I, it makes me feel really sick to my stomach, to be honest. And so I had a big moral dilemma with this one because, it's, you know, real people actually died. It's not just entertainment. And, and the scenes where you were looking at real people and in particular there's a character called David and you're just devastated like it's devastating what happened to him and, and that's why I found this so weird to watch because like I'm rooting for this guy because I'm viewing him as a fictional character and then you're kind of seeing the impact of like real death and and in a way it left me feeling a bit strange but also dying to see because we watched this weekly on BBC like dying to see the next episode Um so overall, I had like really mixed feelings on it, but it made me think a lot, and I enjoyed it a lot, and it made me like really emotional, and I think that's a sign of an amazing drama. Like, and I'm such a fan of Ryan Murphy, as I mentioned, he's another show out this year called Nine One One, which is much lighter than this, quite trivial, but still really do- like he just does everything really well. Like, there's nothing half-hearted that comes from him. Like, Nine One One is the best kind of actiony uh, rescue show. I've seen and I watch a lot of them you know like a lot of I'm big into greys and all those sorts of things um, like he just does everything right to be honest and I think this the American Horror Story Strand I'm now like really really impressed by and another one he did last year that I probably had on my list but I can't remember oh god I hope it on last year's list or it should have been on this year's list Feud to Betty uh, Davis and Joan Crawford damn it uh, yeah, yeah. right okay Look, Feud and Jennifer Satchi are like half and half. Do you want to talk about Feud no, now? No, Feud's amazing. Oh, God. So Stick it as a last minute, uh, minute, last minute amendment. Um, yeah, Feud was his, his dramatisation of the feud between um, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, and I absolutely loved every minute of it. More, more than this, because at least I didn't have the moral ambiguity of feeling guilty for watching it. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that is my number three. You're right to say, though, it is a little bit... Um, troubling to watch something that a family hasn't signed off on and is actually actively saying is um, a lot of bullshit. Family of some of the victims, yeah. Yeah, as in in, in the case of the, the Versace family and I'm sure the others weren't happy either. Of any of this message. There's no way the other families were happy with it. Possibly. Um, okay, Dave, your number two of the year? My number two of the year is Bojack Horseman season five. Was this um, your number one last year? This was my number one last year. Yeah. Um, I love this show so much. I cannot recommend it enough to people um, to the point where I, I basically just shout about the show to everyone I see all the time and I finally badgered my friend Mike into watching it and now he's watched all five seasons and is as obsessed as I am. I've heard such good things but I, I always feel like this now when something's in its fifth season. Like I've obviously watched the odd episode with you but I'm not properly into it and now I feel like five seasons is too many when the hell would I have time to go back and watch them I, all. I appreciate that. I've yeah. got that feeling about a, a, lot, a lot of shows but I... 
like this to me is the most human show on television um, and it's about a lot of anthropomorphized animals um, it is and also I will say it uh, didn't grab me instantly I actually threw this on many years ago when it first came out watched two episodes in a row didn't like it and then parked it for a long time until I saw it getting such rave reviews and went back to it um, and so it is a little bit of a grower um, you do have to sort of settle into it a bit um, it's also very cynical and largely maudlin um, it doesn't have a lot of it doesn't have an optimistic view of uh, humanity or its main protagonist mm-hmm. he constantly disappoints um, it's like he it's like watching an indie movie with an awful character who eventually realizes the error of his ways at the by the end except that Bojack is five series in and has only gotten worse maybe because it's not a, ended yet let's hope in the last episode you, he learns you, but you never stop rooting for him you never stop rooting for him even though he makes mistake after mistake and kind of becomes more horrible in many ways but he hates himself for it in why does it move from your number one to your number two though does this season not deliver as much as the last season did no not at all in, in fact if anything the um, this show has maintained its quality throughout if not improved um the, it's never dipped in quality. So this isn't an indication that the BoJack Horseman isn't as good as it was last year. It's an indication that my number one Ooh. is the best show I've seen I'm this year. I'm guessing your number one, actually. Um, I it. <laughs> by, by, by quite a mile. Um, but BoJack Horseman, it, there are two episodes in particular I'd like to call out in this season. Um, one of I don't know the episode numbers, but one of which is a... Um, Again, no spoilers, but one of which is told entirely in one room at a funeral. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a eulogy. The whole episode is a eulogy. Um, And sounds like a gimmick, but they pull it off massively. And the the writing in this show is just absolutely beautiful. Um, Secondly, there's a a brilliant episode in which the the lines of reality and uh, the TV show that Bojack Horseman is filming and his own reality are completely melded and blurred so that neither you nor he know which one is real hmm. um, and it's superbly done the the creators of the show and the, the writing is so confident the animation is lovely they've even managed to dimensionalise the one note background characters such as um, so they're not one note but they were they were and they're ri- they start off as one note like the joke roommate his agent um, well, that's like any sitcom like The Office right the first few day- weeks you don't know all the characters either and then they get more and more developed no but as in actually they've been written as as like their only defining characteristic is this thing and then they manage to each season push things on so that by the end by the time you're here they're almost more human than him or, or, or more interesting in many ways and they have their own plots their fully fledged um, storylines you get backstories of them all this is just an amazing show and it's also insanely hilarious there's a whole thing with a sex robot uh, in this one which is some of the funniest stuff I've, I've okay now Dave you're rambling I'm literally, si- I'm literally signifying to Dave okay, to wrap I'll stop, up I'll stop. I just love Bojack Horseman so much and not enough people are watching it it's on Netflix um, okay so my number two of the year I think I may be preempting your number one of the year is Succession <laughs> which we watched on Atlantic and it's a HBO drama um, now I'm sure this is your number one you don't have to tell me yet but seeing as you're doing your number one next if this is your number one we should both just talk about it what do you think 
Do you want me to announce it? Then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my number yeah. one of the year is Succession. Okay, yeah. <laughs> my number two of the year. So we'll chat about Succession. Um, so I'll go first then. It's a funny one. It's one of these shows that you hear everyone saying, oh my God, you have to watch Succession. It's the best show of the year. And I thought, well, it's not really for me because um, we watched the first episode and immediately I didn't enjoy it because straight away it's like, oh great, another drama about privileged, mainly white men got loads of money they're really horrible and um, really they're all white mostly men I meant to say sorry they're all white yeah. and mostly men and uh, they're all rich so to me that was just like meh and then and then I, we watched the episode one and I thought yeah I'm kind of done with it and, and then enough people that I whose taste I really trust and this is where recommendations really important with things like this because everyone's time poor and you know committing to a show that has like 10 episodes like this is actually quite a big commitment and uh we went back and it kind of builds and builds and honestly has the best theme music I've ever heard in a show and could knock it out of my head and uh, by episode 5 onwards episodes 5 to 10 I literally thought I was going to have a heart attack at the end of every episode it was so exciting Um, it's like it's pure melodrama right it's like it's like a better made funnier um, version of things like I mentioned like Revenge or even going back to the 80s of like you know your Dynasties or your Dallas or whatever but it's like that on like high octane you know it's so funny it's written by I can't remember his name the writer of um, The Thick of It and no, like, no, he was one of the writers of, of The Thick of It his name is uh, yeah, so Jerem no but he wasn't the Armando and Ionucci well, yeah, but, okay. the writer our writer thanks he's, Dave um, Jeremy Armstrong is his name he's the creator he wrote on In the Thick of It but he created Peep Show most famously oh yeah which is yeah. brilliant and so this is like it's what's brilliant about it is it's a drama but it's funny it's not a comedy but actually some of the lines in this show are the funniest lines I've heard this year um, so clever you just feel that writing I think somebody from Veep was writing on it as well or was that him it's all that kind That's of just him. really quick really on it clever dialogue and again this is another one that doesn't rely on a famous cast um, but this show has the best ensemble I've seen in years uh, like years and I and I put it ahead of Haunting Hill House which is difficult because they're brilliant as well Um and honestly, Matthew McFadden, the English actor, is just like, he plays a character who, so it's about a family, basically, they're like kind of like a Murdoch-esque family, and their dad's a media mogul, and they're all, the kids are competing, you know, to, to kind of succeed him, hence the name of the title, guess, yeah. and uh, this guy, Tom, um, played by Matthew McFadden, is marrying into the family, so he's like bottom of the rung, he's not part of the family, and then in the episode, in the first episode, so it's not a spoiler, um, Cousin Greg arrives. <laughs> He's like lower down the rung than Tom. So Tom is such a good actor that he's like this meek, subservient, like trying to impress everyone what we think really nice guy. And then the first chance he gets, he does just a 180 and it's just horrific to Cousin Greg. And like, it's so well played by him. And as he goes on, he just gets better and better and better. Um, And then the guy who plays Kendall, who's like, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's one of the best actors I've ever seen. Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong. He's brilliant. They're all brilliant. And as the show goes on, you get to know each character more and more and more. Um, And honestly, I just loved it. But but ultimately, at the end of the day, as much as I loved it, and week to week was just... Or we we were kind of binging it because we recorded it, but just dying to see the next episode. But ultimately, for me, it's a step in the wrong direction to have this many men in a cast and to have to have everyone being white and I just didn't that, that just left me unsettled and I thought it was unnecessary um, well can I say this was 
you know, this was my number one of the year. Yeah. Uh, I think, I'm not sure what more I can say that you've already said, um, because I thought it was just a brilliant, brilliant piece of work. It, like you said, it works um, first and foremost as a family drama. As a, it's a classic dysfunctional family drama um, yeah. in that these are all, they're, they're a dysfunctional family, but they're also dysfunctional people. Mm -hmm. um, they've all grown up except for the, the father who's a sort of self-made media mogul millionaire whatever. and he's they, brilliant the dad he's brought, played by Brian Cox excellently but they've all grown up in this in this world of um, money and privilege and they have no they're completely out of touch with uh, society with everyday normal values they're they don't, horrible they, they, their moral compasses are off they're all horrible people they're all backstabbing each other it's fascinating and it's the classic sort of fascinating entertaining stuff it's very watch, Shakespearean isn't it In fact, so epic if, if, you, if you take a step back actually looking at my list here every single one of these stories are about rich people American Vandal um, is about a very rich private school. American Crime Story Versace largely centres on the the wealth of Giovanni Versace and the uh, and the antithesis of that with Andrew Cunan. Sharp Objects is a, is uh, about a, a wealthy heiress, uh, basically, or in, in in the south of America. Bojack Horseman is about a ridiculously wealthy former TV star. And succession is all about wealthy people. Well, this is so why you need shows like Insecure that are just about normal people. <laughs> but it, no, you need to balance There is scales. something fundamentally fascinating about wealth as a, like people people watch. That's why the uh, keeping the Kardashians is so popular. It's yeah. why Donald Trump is uh, was a popular candidate before he was even elected. That there's something very it's intoxicating, intoxicating yeah. and attractive about it all. And it's so otherworldly to normal people. Like to watch that kind of wealth is just like. But, that, but, but however, I think for the, for the most part, I think pretty much four out of five of these stories that I just mentioned uh, painted in a very, very negative light. It's not seen as something you would uh, aspire to, no. certainly. All of these characters, every single one of the characters in all of these shows are dysfunctional, probably except Giovanni Versace, who is presented as a nice normal uh, guy. very benevolent and But and he's barely a character man. in the show. Like um, It's all about Andrew. Yeah, but but it's interesting that his his what he does with his wealth and who he is as a person is always pre presented as very grounded and yeah. down to earth. But largely, the the wealth in all of these shows and in particular Succession is not an attractive no. asset. If anything, it has alienated these people. Um, it's made them into absolutely horrible yeah. monsters for the most part. A big part of it as well, I think, in them, like if you look at the characters in, in Succession versus like Giovanni Versace he, he's a self-made millionaire and like the dad in Succession is it's, this is like about the people who were born into wealth so they're born with such entitled privilege yeah. that they basically they think that everything they want should be theirs and they see they're shocked when there's obstacles in their way and I mean they do it really funny with Kieran Culkin who's just brilliant in the show and like at one point like he's given quite a big responsibility and he blows it in the most spectacular way and there's a whole scene where we just see him receiving this information and he literally can't compute it because nothing ever goes wrong for him in his life and it's absolutely brilliant TV to watch um, and I think yeah this this explores really well that just entitlement of people who, who just think that everything they do should be completely like you know validated by the rest of the world because that's how they perceive themselves but, and it, but it's also classic sort of Shakespearean uh, 
family tragedy yeah. and stuff. Um, it's it's backstabbings and betrayals, but it's also like insanely hilarious. Some of the best dialogue you will ever hear in any any television show for the same reason that that uh, and you can just tell it's it's that infusion of Jeremy Armstrong's um, like crackling wit that you saw in Peep Show and in and the thick of it is another one we forgot to did we mention that. We did mention. Oh, we did mention that uh, that that he wrote on, which has some of the best insults. Yeah. That's another thing this show has. When a character is insulting another character, it's done so creatively and so enjoyably. So um, good. Lastly, I, I, I'll stop banging on about it, but the you, you've already called out Brian Cox uh, and Jeremy Strong who play Kendall and Matthew McFadden who play Tom is outstanding. Is the probably the best in the series. But I think Sarah Snook is brilliant as uh, Shiv. Shiv, the daughter. Shiv. Yeah, she's brilliant. Um, and that's probably one of the more understated performances yeah. in in this show. Um, but she's an actor. She's, she's Australian. Australian. Literally yeah, she's all these amazing actress. Australian actors and um, everything now. And, and lastly, Greg, played by uh, Greg the Nicholas Egg. Braun, who Greg <laughs> the Egg, who is really there for, as I said, with Con- Con- uh, Bojack. He's Horseman. basically Jonah from the Veep. Yeah, very much. But not very as much as that Jonah. character. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's even really tall. Obviously, this writer thinks really tall people are really funny. Physically. He's very similar to that. But the. <laughs> He's presented, as I said, with Project Horseman, like at pretty much as a, he's the comic relief. He's a kind of one-note joke character who's yeah. the punchline of everything, and is just so funny to watch. So good, but, but he, even he turns around in the end. He get like yeah. he's got his own little yeah. character. And he's arc got as his well. own agenda, which I enjoyed watching. Um, so that's it. I think everyone needs to watch the show. I don't think enough people are watching this or talking about it. So this is my strong, strong recommendation. Yeah, I mean, number one for you, number two for me. We freaking loved this like we were like screaming at the end of episodes of this and like the music is like we'll throw the music in at one point when we had just finished watching this but then we were watching Haunting Hill House and I couldn't sleep because I was so scared and then the bloody succession theme song was going through my head I was like I have to get that what we should do at the end of this segment before we get on to the next bits after I've done my number one let's play a bit of the succession music okay Okay, yeah because everyone needs to hear it so what's your number one of the year so my number one is something you haven't seen because I think it would have been on your list uh Killing Eve, <laughs> oh, which I know was topping a lot I of really lists this year. Watch that. Yeah, it was one of those ones we were going to watch together, and then I got bored of waiting for Dave, and I just binged it all on iPlayer, where I watched it all on BBC iPlayer. Um, it aired in BBC America earlier this year and came out later in the UK. So it was one of those ones that, by the time it launched in the UK, already loads of buzz about it, which is really fun. Um, I would say it's like it's a funny thing. It's it's a show about a serial killer called Villanelle. Yeah, she's being hunted by a, like a British agent called Eve played by Sandra Oh of Grey's Anatomy fame who I love um, also in Sideways but I just think she was always the standout in Grey's Anatomy and I really missed her on the show actually as someone who's still watching it 15 seasons in um, but honestly it's all about um, Jodie Comer so she plays Villanelle um, this, she's an assassin and honestly it is one of the most joyous and wonderful things I've ever seen so um, Phoebe Walker Bridge wrote it who wrote Fleabag which is sure we both we both watched this year but it's not from this year so we can't call it out in this list but we absolutely loved Fleabag it's so it's funny. funny and so quick witted and so clever and what this show is brilliant because it's basically like it's a spy thriller but it's a comedy and there's like workplace politics but it's so and it's kind of what I was talking about in the last one it's so obviously written by a woman like I could have told you it was written by a woman without even knowing who wrote it like so often in these kind of shows victims are like almost always victims are like attractive young women right 
in like drama in like murder. like you watch any episode of CSI or whatever like always the dead woman is always the trope and so often when a woman is a villain she's like battling inner demons or she's acting out revenge against a specific person none of that for Villanelle she is just a psychopath and she revels in murdering people in like the most creative ways as funny ways like she dresses in costume for every murder like like she literally go in in like dressed as a nurse and like murders him in a hospital or she'll go to like a, a part she goes in one of the episodes she goes to, she says to murder somebody who's really rich she goes she breaks into their house while the party's happening downstairs goes upstairs borrows one of their dresses goes down and murders someone um at one point she's murdering someone and uh, she's like about to kill them and then she's like ooh, she rubs like a silk throw on the bed and she's like what brand is this and they tell her and she kills them and then later on we just see her rubbing that same brand like on her own bed like she's furnished her house with this brand because she was so into it she does all sorts of elaborate things with like perfumes she just like the costumes in this show are just absolutely brilliant and the character's just obsessed with fashion and that's just like one thing about her and like she does everything with such style and such a plum. but it's so funny and then so she's a completely dimensionalised um, but psychopathic villain and Jodie Comer is such a great actress oh my god like she's so funny she's got a quite unusual face and she's just one of those actors who knows how to use that face and she's got such like a huge presence on screen and she's just absolutely deadpan and brilliant and Sandra Oh who I mentioned I love her character Eve is just again it's just actually just a career woman she's a bit frustrated in her career not quite getting to where she wants to be starts figuring this thing out she's a bit sick of her husband and it essentially becomes like a cat and mouse thing across Europe and he's all these amazing like you know uh, like European destinations Um, he's also got Fiona Shaw who's Carolyn who's like the head of Russian operations for MI5 and then so like reams upon reams of like just perfectly written interesting dynamic female characters um, which I just love and that's what I want to watch and then Kim Bodnia from The Bridge, who we love, The Bridge. Um, Martin Roda from The Bridge. <laughs> uh, he's in it as her like handler. Like he gives her this, the, he kills, her, gives her the people she needs to kill, and he's absolutely brilliant. And when Kim Bodnia and um, Villanelle are on screen together, like I just died of happiness with every scene. And then her and Eve are like obsessed with each other, and it's this amazing relationship. And it was quite a short box set. I can't remember how long, but like it was under ten episodes. And because it was made originally for BBC America, it was actually only like 40 minutes long, as opposed to an hour, which I really liked. Um, so yeah, I watched them all on iPlayer. They're all still there on BBC iPlayer. And uh, it's just a joy. And because it's completely fictionalised, I enjoyed all the murder scenes. <laughs> like, they're really funny. You would love it, Dave. Like, honestly, you need to watch it. I really need to watch yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm sorry I jumped ahead and it's then just binged my... it all without you. Well, it's on my n- yeah. things I need to watch. It's a complete binge. you'll hear later. And it's on, like, so many people's lists of TV shows of the year. Um, like you would absolutely love it it's just freaking brilliant and I just think Phoebe Walker-Bridge is like a genius she's such a great writer it's adapted from a series of books which I haven't read um, but yeah she's absolutely amazing alright well we're going to take a quick break to eat all this cheese that's been sitting in front of us uh, oh wait I, didn't, I haven't gotten to my number one that was your number one no oh, that's my number two I've skipped one but did you skip one <laughs> that was my number two You've skipped one. I haven't. I actually haven't. Or I skipped one. Let's have a look at your list there. We're keeping this in the podcast. This I've is riveting. So you had. This is not staying in. American Bandle, Crime Story, Sharp Objects, Bojack Horseman, Succession. And I had. <laughs> I had Insecure, Haunting of Hill House, Assassination of Gianni Versace, Succession. 
Killing Eve. Is your number one? That's five. Oh shit, I wrote, I made a list of six. I had a different number one. <laughs> what? Ah, Cathy. <laughs> I think we have to leave this in and I have to quickly say my number one. And I'm sorry, I've completely cheated the list. I can't believe how badly I've done that. That is absolutely hilarious. I'm sorry. Are you Dave. unable to count? I clearly was unable to count because I didn't number them. <laughs> Come on. Okay, really quickly, you've already mentioned it. Sorry. My number one of the year is Sharp Objects. <laughs> God's Killing you's oh. my number two. You absolutely ruined Killing this Killing you's my number two. Um, I was just thinking. You I literally said my it. number one was. Killing I meant Eve. to say number two. It's because we. I got. It's because I have too many in, and I'm working backwards on my own list. Um, okay, sharp objects. Really quickly. <laughs> second year disaster. in a row. I know. Check it. Second year in a row. That my top pick is a HBO adaptation of a female author's book. I had actually read this, same as Big Little Lies, which was my number one last year. And I'm going to eat some cheese. Eat some cheese. In both instances, it didn't matter that you'd read the book because often it does and ruins things. Um, so basically, it was written by Gillian uh, Flynn, as Dave said. And um, it's really different from Big Little Lies. Like, I'm fascinated it's from the same guy. Um, one of the things, big differences is that, like, Big Little Lies is really heavy on plot and, like, it's a really big whodunit. Sorry, it wasn't written by him, it was directed. Directed, sorry, same. I meant to say. Um, this one is really light on plot, but what it's really heavy on is character and atmosphere. And, like, Amy Adams is obviously standout. She plays Camille, who's just the most fascinating character. Like she's so self-aware and clever and yet she medicates herself very heavily with alcohol and sex but she's aware she's doing it but she can't stop herself doing it and that's quite fascinating and um, I mean she had a horrific childhood and she's got a you know history of like very dark things um, and Amy Adams got so under the skin of this character to the point where I read that they wanted her to do season two and said she couldn't do it <laughs> um, Patricia Clarkson as you mentioned who's amazing as the mother I just, their tension was unbearable for me to watch and then again you mentioned Eliza Scanlon as Amma absolutely like she's this is like was her second role after being in Home and Away for 15 episodes I looked her up on IMDb uh, so oh, really? another Australian Home and Away actor like they're just taking the Home the and Away alumni yeah. are just absolute amazing it. casting agents there. but I think what I heard now is because of the success of people like Chris Hemsworth actually having Home and Away in your resume in LA can get you an inter- uh, like an audition is that right yeah apparently um, but she holds her own against Amy Adams like Oscar winning actress Patricia Clarkson and honestly she's better than them in some scenes like it's fucking brilliant she's basically a rollerblading psychopath um, she's got a great character and She's I read um, and I'm not going to go on a bang, bang about it because I've done an extra pick back so the Dave's already talked about it but I read a great piece in The Guardian um, where viewers were writing in, or readers were writing in their favourite shows of the year and uh, somebody wrote that Adora who's the mom, copes with pain by by hurting her daughters Camille Amy Adams copes with pain by hurting herself and Amma copes with pain by hurting others and I just thought that was the best summary of the show but honestly it's the I've never seen a more atmospheric show than this like I know you said it was hot and sweaty but I would say you just lived and breathed the setting like and, and I had but read it's oppressive oh, it's a the, unbelievably like, that's why well the, done. the directing is so yeah, brilliant it's so it's atmospheric brilliant. and yeah. the way it's shot is just like it's just perfection dirty and yeah. like uncomfortable yeah. it's like you feel oppressed by this show you feel what like um uh, what's Amy Adams' character is, Camille is, is feeling yeah. like and she guess, feels trapped in this tiny town and there's barely at, like, at one point we were like god what are we even watching Like, there's barely a plot to it and yet you no, can take your eyes off it yeah. as such um, but I mean the end the plot's brilliant by the time the, the plot comes back it, uh, it's absolutely worth it it hits you with I a I mean Gillian Flynn I really enjoy her books I had read this book before as well um, and I just think you know she just 
girl writes a good twist <laughs> that's what I would say um, okay so there's my number one I'm so sorry my number two is Killing Eve and I fucked up the rest of my list and uh, now we're going to cut to the succession so we started music. on your number six yeah we're going to cut to the succession music while we eat our food you're a disaster <laughs> You've heard our top uh, TV of the year, but we asked you on Twitter, what are your best and worst TV shows of the year? So we're going to read some of them out now. And we've also, at the end of this episode, we're going to collate. Uh, we ran some numbers. We did the, we did some, some crunching. And we've uh, basically collated exactly what your overall best TV show and worst TV show as a group was. Uh, this year so we're going to announce that at the end <laughs> of the show Kathy, read some of these out so Tom Silcock tweeted only his best things only positive stuff this is us Star Trek Discovery obviously Bojack Atlanta and Killing Eve strong list Daniel Bennyworth Grey Rose Daredevil and Patrick Melrose I haven't seen Patrick Melrose. No interest in it, really. Looked I cool. saw the pilot. I really liked it. Oh. Um, and then I just didn't watch anymore, as is my want. Um, Colin Corker in Best Succession. My brilliant friend. Killing Eve. Get Shorty. Worst. This is us. So two mentions of This is Us. Very different sides of the coin there. Jordan Alexander. Best. This is us. The Walking Dead. Leon H. Dempsey. Best. Luke Cage. Bojack Horseman. Daredevil. Inside number nine. And no offence. Well, that's the live show inside number nine. I really want to see that. Yeah, me too. Um, Craiger said, High maintenance is extraordinary television. Barry came right out of left field. Always worth a shout. And always sunny season finale was jaw-dropping. Some of the best foreshadowing I've seen. Philip Fort said, Killing Eve. Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who. And worst was Westworld. Yes. I still have never watched Doctor Who, have you? No. Um, We're not Hoovian. <laughs> someday. As they say. And last but not least is Mary, my mom's friend from Birthing Mamas, who said best The Handmaid's Tale, Better Call Saul, and worst House of Cards. Okay, and we'll be reading more of these out later and announcing what your group best and worst are. Yes. But before we do that, we're going to throw over to ourselves uh, to, for our most honourable TV mentions of the year. Yes. Hello, we're back. We are now out for a walk. Walking here in Cork on a surprisingly dry day and we are straight into our honourable mentions of TV shows for 2018. So I've got a couple on the list. Uh, Bodyguard has to be there. Most talked about TV show of the year, the biggest hit on the BBC in something like in 10 anyway. years. Um, it's actually been really big in the US on Netflix now, I believe. Oh, yeah. um, biggest like water cooler moment of the year in terms of TV which is really great in a year that we didn't have Game of Thrones. Um, it was only about six episodes, but I just loved watching it every week, as silly as it was, and coming into work the next day and just chatting, it about, chatting about it with everyone, which you never get really with TV anymore. It was a great TV event. It was really fun. Um, the other one I have to say is The Bisexual, which is an E4 comedy that we haven't finished yet. Like, we're getting through it slowly, because it's not one of those shows where you feel like you've to, you know, you're like the bodyguard where you're dying to watch the next episode live. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy it's it. It's really funny. It's really funny. 
The Sinner, which I mentioned last year, and again, The Sinner season two came on Netflix this year. And it's just totally fun and a great binge, honestly. Dairy Girls, which is a comedy that was on, was on Channel 4 this year? Yeah. So funny, and I love the setting. And like, I mean, it's not just that it was set in Ireland. It's just fantastic cast and a really warm, humorous show. Um, Sally Forever, which is a Sky Atlantic comedy that is like really explicit, explicit warning on this. Um, What's that? It's a comedy on Sky Atlantic and uh, kind of the opposite of the bisexual. So the bisexual is about a woman who is gay and then comes out as bisexual, kind of to the horror of her gay friends. Whereas this is about a straight woman who comes out as gay. and uh, But it's made by Julia Davis, who's really funny. And uh, it's it, there's a funny sex scene in the first episode. And um, it's a bit like, you know, those piss take sex scenes in like those naked gun movies. Yeah. It's like that, but it's between two women. And and often when I watch like often when I'll watch like a sex scene with two women, I'm cringing because I know a man has directed it and it just makes me really uncomfortable. But this was like starring Julie Davis and she's in the sex scene and it's so graphic and so funny, like almost to the lines of you know that movie with Emilio Estevez where he's like sizzling bacon on someone's stomach? Like the sex scene's almost like that. It's so funny. Hot shots. Hot shots, yeah, it's really like that. Um and finally I've only seen a few episodes, but the ones I've seen I loved is Queer Eye and it was the new Queer Eye from the straight guy and uh, on Netflix they brought, brought it back and I thought that was really have fun this year have you been watching year. that? yeah it's kind of my go-to when I have nothing else to watch what, are you, what yeah. is the secret life you have for me <laughs> when you're watching the shows I haven't even heard of in Queer Eye I want to watch Queer Eye that, look, it's that really, looks like it's really heartwarming um, are you done? yeah alright uh, i got a few to, to reel off The Haunting of Hill House I think we've co- you've kind of covered, covered it uh, loved it I thought it was really really good really strong brilliant a horror, move, horror show but also just a great piece of family drama, like inter-sibling inter- uh, rivalry, flashbacks told, uh, two parallel timelines, superb stuff. Um, Daredevil, which you didn't watch, because um, it's generally pretty ropey. Um, <laughs> but this is the sort of the last of the uh, of the Netflix Marvel shows that I think they're all basically been canned now, uh, essentially, except. Punisher, Punisher, we like that. Punisher was fun. But this uh, this show, for following up from The Defenders, which was an awful load of shite, um, was really like a surprise return to form. Uh, felt a lot like the first season. Too little, the too late. Kingpin came back, Vincent D'Onofrio. It's, it's just, it was a lot of fun. It goes on too long and it's not perfect. But there's one brilliant uh, sort of extended take fight scene in a prison, which one of the best things I've seen this year. Uh, Rick and Morty uh, came back for another season which wasn't quite uh, it was in my top five last year um, wasn't quite a slam dunk for me some brilliant episodes in here but as a whole it didn't quite uh, connect for me Pickle Rick though top notch um, Big Mouth season two uh, which is a show nobody's really talking about uh, it's an animated where is it Netflix yeah animated show on, on Netflix created by Nick Kroll who's sort of a, a famous American comedian um, this is this is a really great show. It's uh, <clears throat> ostensibly set around like a, a teenagers, maybe 13, 14, sort of hitting puberty, um, and it's very honest, but it's very um, familiar, certainly from the male point of view. But it, it very uh, well 
puts forward the female point of view as well not that I have any personal experience with that <laughs> but it's, nice. it's, it's the gender balance in this is perfectly done and they have hormone monsters so they, they've literally represented puberty as a, as a physical manifestation like mon- a monster that follows you around that everywhere sounds pretty it's, it's so funny and gross and, and heartwarming it's excellent um, Star Trek Discovery I think the second half of that came back at the beginning of this year and it got much better um, my god and by the end <laughs> where that show went is superb and I'm very excited for the second series of that uh, Black Mirror Season 4 again about half of them were, were really good and the other half were just um, but some great stuff in there as always I mean that's, everyone knows that's a great show yeah. the bisexual you've kind of talked about I think is great fun Bodyguard um, for me actually Bodyguard was uh, yeah, great fun a lot of great water cooler uh, show but a kind of uh, d- diminishing returns as it went fell on fell apart by the end really, but excellent really opening did. episode it's an amazing midway twist which doesn't often happen yeah. amazing midway twist uh, but it kind of just didn't deliver on its promise for me because the first two episodes of that were so strong um Maniac is a show you didn't watch but I watched on uh, it's on Netflix with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone which is just really weird and out there again didn't really pull it together by the end for me uh, but it was really interesting oh and it's uh, th- that's directed uh, so beautifully again another show directed all by the same uh, the same guy who's uh, Kerry Fukunawa who oh, yeah. did True Detective season one uh, and is just one of those talents like this is a beautiful show and the production design it's in, it's a it's incredible it's in this like sort of alternate sci-fi world uh, which is just excellent um, Altered Carbon another sci-fi show on Netflix which was really stupid oh I really enjoyed that though but we, we did we binged enjoy it, it. Yeah. it's really stupid and kind of bad uh, but a lot of fun um, The Dragon Prince quickly um, the, some of the writers from Avatar The Last Airbender the TV show which is one of my favourite uh, children's shows of all time have made this uh, show another show for Netflix uh, a very interesting visual style and it's a lot of fun I'm still going through it um, The Expanse I have to talk about The Expanse very quickly because nobody well then, else Dave, is. you should have had it in your top 5 list there's no room for all these great TV shows <laughs> I watched The Expanse season 2 this year um, and I know it's actually on to season 3 but uh, more people need to watch The Expanse if you like old school big operatic sci-fi this is absolutely um, amazing the Sinner season two, you've already mentioned. Uh, this is my first experience with The Sinner. I haven't seen the first season. But this is... Yeah, you don't need to have seen the first season. No, it's standalone and it is great. I thought it was great fun. Um, uh, and then Dark, lastly, another Netflix uh, German sci-fi oh, thing. Oh, Dark! I meant to mention <coughs> that one. I love Dark. Yeah, Dark that was, was brilliant. great. Like, twisty, twisty sci-fi plot. Um, kind of 80s Stranger Thing vibes in, in ways, but just like... Really entertaining. Yeah. Um, All right, that's it. Okay, great list. Now we're going to be back after some more of our lovely listeners. uh, Best and worst TV for the year. All right, so now we're going to hear a few more of your best and worst TV shows of the year. Kathy, go to the Twitter machine. <laughs> so Ian said La Casa de Papel, a.k.a. Money Heist. Netflix really couldn't think of a better name, translation. Show of the year for me, maybe not just this year. Richard Chamberlain, best Haunting of Hill House, worst American Horror Story. Ian O'Driscoll, Killing Eve was the best series this year. Also loved Atlanta, Daredevil, Better Call Saul, Legion. 
Um, Better Call Saul. Yeah. I need to go back to that. Everyone sings better than Breaking Bad now. I haven't watched it. Um, Laura O'Dowd says best have to be Patrick Melrose and Bojack Horseman. Jeff Howell's best was Haunting of Hill House and the bisexual most disappointing was Trust. Worth was Keeping Faith. Hmm, never seen that. Uh, Tom George, Great Taste, Best Sharp Objects and Killing Eve. Really bad, Fortitude. Stuart MacM, Hello, Mine Were Doctor Who, Dynasties, The Bridge, Bodyguard. Lee Thomas, Dark Was My Favourite, Big Mouth Series 2, Archer Season 9, Sharp Objects, All Great. Um, Lee Gant says The Dick Van Dyke Show. Thanks for that, Lee. Former <laughs> guest of the show. Lee, Lee. <laughs> I know Lee very well and he doesn't watch anything new so, ever. Yeah, he just he watches things really from the it. 50s. Oliver Carey, Best Live Episode of Inside Number 9, Second Series of This Country. Umar Motini, Best Patriot Killing Eve, Travellers. Oh, Patriot. I really want to watch that. It's supposed to be amazing. Um, Travellers is my mum's favourite show. I can tell you that much. Um, latest season of Legends of Tomorrow. Mark Cole, Best Killing Eve. And Danny JP says best Shits Creek, S C H I T T S, never heard of it. Me neither. And worst bodyguard. Start googling. Now, what the moment you've all been waiting for? We collated everything that our listeners tweeted us, and best of the year by a clean margin was Killing Eve. So our listeners have got fantastic taste, and worst was something that wasn't on either of our worst lists. Um, bodyguard. And I have yeah, to read out. Yeah, this is really divisive. Really show. divisive. Uh, so I have some of the comments collated because I thought they were so funny. So Craiger said it was absolutely horrific. Um, Ian O'Driscoll says got progressively more ridiculous with each episode, and Danny JP said jump the shark much. I think those are fair comments. They're fair comments, but I also still enjoy it. Did it did get progressively worse. It did. It's very fair point, Ian yeah. O'Driscoll. Um, so anyway, back to us. I have to kill you. She's still going. They are <laughs> that is the dulcet tones of Upsy Daisy you're listening to. We are completing our TV review. Last couple of bits that we didn't get to in the car. Woohoo! Um, so you may hear toddler. And that's Oscar's new Christmas present. Yeah. You should, maybe you should give a bit of context as to bit of what context. the hell that It's was. actually Christmas Day. Um, we're finishing this. We're driving somewhere for Christmas, so we thought we'd finish this. I'm up. driving. Dave's driving. You're recording. I'm recording. Because we love recording and it's Christmas Day, so why not? Um, but yeah, lots of upsy daisy noises. For anyone who doesn't know, she's a primary character in the Night Garden. Um, right. One of the best. One of the best. One of my favourites. Yeah. She's up there with Eagle Pickle. She's up there with her and Eagle Pickle kind of contend for first position. So. Alright, what we are we doing? Are, where are we? I think we were just finished on. We did our honourable mentions. And we are now up to most disappointing. And I have Dave's list in front of me for the first time ever because he's driving. And I can tell you that we both have Westworld on our most disappointing uh, list. Yeah. Westworld season two. Um, what a disaster. We didn't even finish it. No. Um, it's just... I mean, look, I, I, I felt a little cold about the first season anyway, to be honest. I thought it was a really beautiful-looking and well-produced uh, show. Brilliant sci-fi and some superb performances. Um, in particular, 
uh, Anthony Hopkins and um, Pandy Newton, who's amazing. Um, but it's more like it wasn't. You, there's no emotional connection with any of the characters. I'm kind of still talking about the first season, but Dave, this, onto the second this, season. This extends into the second season. Don't really care about any of the characters. Uh, they can think they want us to care about Bernard in this season, but it doesn't work. The second season doubles down on the unnecessary twisty storytelling of the first, like deliberately playing with audience um, understanding of timelines. Like this, the first few episodes of the second season takes place over like four different timelines for no reason um, at all it's just a deliberately obscured storytelling which Jonathan Nolan loves to do um, which is fine tedious. as a gimmick in Memento but it's unnecessary and tedious in this instance I found it a real slog and also um, I'm sorry but they took away the primary function of it and lots of it isn't in Westworld anymore so to me I'm not interested it's like Love Island not being I guess in the sunshine. Well, there I did. There I disagree. No, Winter Love Island, make that happen. Um, I disagree with you there, actually, because I think they had to move the thing on, and I think it was a natural progression. And actually, one episode in particular—I forget the one it was, four or five maybe—but one episode completely shifts focus um, to a whole. I, don't, I won't say any spoilers, but it, it, it say, let's say a complete shift of focus away from Westworld. Eastworld. Fine, okay, you just said it then. Um, <laughs> Come on, we're talking about Westworld too much. Okay, Thandy Newton's the only good thing left Anyway, that, that was a great, yeah. great episode. That was and we really didn't finish good. it, which is terrible for a, you know, a show we were completely addicted to. Right, I also had on my most disappointing list The Affair Season 4, which I'm oh, yeah. very disappointed to say because it was on my, I'm pretty sure it was in my top five last year, Season 3. Can I and quickly again, add that to my No, my it's not on your list and therefore you don't get to say it. What? Um, <laughs> and now again, and this is just, you know, this is just a sign of how bad it was. I didn't get past three episodes of the season. I think David did. You did you do three? Yeah, I did three. I did one. And literally, that first episode is one of the worst episodes of television imaginable. It's like Dangerous Minds. Yeah, um, really bad, really disappointing. Should have given it up, given up the ghost. And I think they're doing one last season, which is just like, ugh, whatever. So I would tell anyone, watch up to season three and then but that, give up. That's the definition of disappointment because the first three series of that show are superb. Some of the best writing and... and um, performances in television I mean the history. performances are still great the problem is the writing suddenly gotten bad oh because my they don't God. know what to do with it like yeah. absolutely dreadful but the show's been absolutely kind of spinning its wheels for a while now but it's somehow managed to make that work like um, a series that kind of only had enough plot for one season managed to wrangle three out of it very effectively and but get now better every year they've finally run out of steam yeah so, okay Dave next off. on your list is remind me The Good Place Okay, Oscar. Um, the Good Place. Okay, so for me, this is this. I think this is one of my best shows last year, or at least it was in the honourable mention. The first two series of The Good Place are absolutely outstanding. It's it's out out of the gates like season one. That show knew exactly what it was doing. It was very confident. It was very different, different to any other sitcoms that were on telly at that like even now. Um, it's very very funny it's got it's like tone of voice down pat um, Dave you're giving it praise this isn't your most disappointing list I'm, you, hang on like, you're gonna lay the table here right <laughs> what, what's the def, what's the definition of the word disappointing it means you have high hopes for something it's really good I just and say the, third the podcast record is really tiring look the, sec, the first two seasons of this are excellent um, the third season is really really bad very very disappointing 
um, completely directionless, doesn't know what it's doing anymore. The jokes are still sharp, um, so nothing's changed there. The performances are still fun, but they, it's like they've just entirely lost drive. There's nothing. There's no momentum anymore. It kind of sh- shifts focus on what it's doing, like three or four times in the space of a few episodes. Now, I will say it did finally pick itself up with the last two episodes and the direction it seems to be heading in now definitely seems to be a, a good course correction so it seems to be back on track but very disappointed okay and Dave you had one more on your most disappointing list do you remember what it was Arrested Development yes. season 5 um, I mean okay Arrested Development is my favourite comedy of all time the first three series of that I've watched so so many times it is a brilliant brilliant bit of television uh, the 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 long-running um, gags that they construct in that, the sort of brilliant ensemble that that are all so hilarious for their own reasons and like absolutely sparkle on screen together. Um, dipped in the fourth season and famously uh, didn't quite work. It was quite ambitious, but the fifth season they kind of Mitch Hurwitz, the creator, tried to just like pick straight up from where season four left off. Which instantly leaves you with a confusing mess. I was so confused; I couldn't follow him. Yeah, and then and then you end up with half an episode of Ron Howard trying to explain to you everything that, that and it's look, it's lost its spark, it's lost its chemistry. It's, um, I mean, this show is just a shambling corpse. It's so so sad to watch. There was maybe one or two solid laughs in this, but it's just a husk of a thing. I don't know if I can even continue with the second half of the, the season five. Okay, very disappointing for Dave. Now, my guilty pleasures, I've got a couple. Uh, top guilty pleasure for me is the current season of House of Cards. <laughs> I think I may be the last person in the world left watching it. Um, it's terrible. I watch it and like narrate it to Dave as he's in another room because he can't even be bothered watching it. Um, so, like, Kevin Spacey got written out of it, and as everyone knows. And now, like, Robin Wright is the, the main character. And they're very lucky that actually before his scandal and he was removed from the show he'd essentially been written out of the White House anyway in the last season so it makes narrative sense that he's not there so they're lucky about that but other than making narrative sense that he's not there the show does not work and it's become like a pantomime um, to the point where and I'm not finished it yet but um, the last episode I watched ended with Claire wait wait don't, don't spoil this it this is not a spoiler the last end, the end of the last episode I watched ended with Claire singing to camera really menacingly and I like looking at the camera the way Francis Underwood used to do and I was like I just can't cope with this and yet I stayed up to like midnight recently binging it because I was just so enjoying like laughing at it Greg Kinnear is terrible in it Patricia Clarkson who we both said is amazing in Sharp Objects is terrible in it Robin Wright Penn is terrible in it so you know Robin Wright sorry so you know when really good actors are terrible in something like that's something terrible like it's gone wrong she's terrible in it everyone's terrible in it she's brilliant I know and she's actually great as Claire Underwood yeah, yeah. So everyone's terrible, like across the board. Okay, one that we both have on our list. That's sorry, that show for me died years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ran out of. It's gone from a show that I would like literally block out a weekend when it. <laughs> that's was been released. that's been huffing fumes for about three. It seasons has now. done. We used to like block out a weekend when it came so that we could just binge it all weekend, and now I watch it while I'm doing the laundry. Um, and then another one we both have on our list: uh, guilty pleasure, Love Island. Guilty pleasure <laughs> yeah, of summer 2018. That's my absolute in the Cullen Corkery household. I mean, there's not much to say about I it mean, other than we were completely hooked for about three weeks, and then 
kind of ran out of steam But for three solid weeks We were obsessed with Love Island I have such like I have <laughs> There's a definition of guilt When it I is. watch Love Island Because I don't really <laughs> I'm not a proponent of it I don't no. I can't really like I hate everything I about think, it I think it I think it signals The end of civilization <laughs> In so many ways But my god It's well made television yeah. And it's very Very, very, very fun to watch Very fun to watch um, And then I have something That we briefly alluded to At the top of the episode In the night garden Become quite a guilty pleasure In our house that's yeah. not that's not a guilty pleasure. That's just a pleasure. It's a pure pleasure. That's an absolute pleasure. That show in I the night garden, and I love that you've segued into this from our from our opening with yeah, Upsy Daisy. Totally that's intentional. A absolutely genius show. If you have kids, then you've probably already seen it. But if you if you're a, if you're a new parent and you're looking for um, just a wonderful, wacky, inventive, and and quite sweet, um, bizarre pre-toddler show. This is the one I mean this is like Honestly if you're not a parent Just get pissed And watch it some night And you will be in for a treat It's, it's yeah, trippy oh, Psychedelic yeah. the, But I will say um, Another great thing About In the Night Garden Is most kids shows Peppa Pig etc You're looking at A 14 minute runtime, Which doesn't buy you A lot of uh, Doesn't buy you A lot of time To like get the housework done Or whatever But 29 minutes <laughs> On In the Night Garden you'll get, a, you'll get your house clean You'll get, you'll get your you'll uh, have a cup of coffee S-H-I-T In order yeah. While your baby's watching that show um, And then finally I have one more guilty pleasure Dave you don't You just said Love Island um, I have 911 Which I mentioned earlier Which is like the new Roy Murphy show It's in season 2 now It's on Sky Witness Here in the UK um, I think it's on Fox in the States It's freaking brilliant It's like Grey's Anatomy On steroids And um, That also segues To the fact that Grey's Anatomy Shout out Season 15 Is still really good So another I have lots of guilty pleasures Um and now with our last category is things that we should have seen but we didn't and that we feel bad about and that we aim to watch in 2019 and we both oh catchy yeah is that what we call well, it well actually it's called should see <laughs> um, and we both have the bridge season 4 yeah, yeah we both, now to be fair oh, all right. we should have watched it you know shout what? out to you here because you've been trying to get me to watch it for ages for ages I was like please can we watch the bridge and then you're so tired and our both of our problem is we were like we're obsessed with the first three seasons of the bridge but because they haven't aired in a while we couldn't quite remember season three so we were trying to find a recap then we were too tired then like this is so boring but we had all of them recorded from when they aired on bbc on our sky plus box and then we changed to sky q and we lost the recordings and that was the end of it then so i think next year we just need to buy it on dvd because it's not something you can find on demand plus do you know there's the, what's the i wish there were like a word for that that sort of barrier of like starting a new series of something Do you know like you know you're gonna love it's so hard to like yeah. just take that that leap of faith and put on the first episode even if it's something you know is gonna be good yeah I bet the Germans the bridge, have a word for which that which we've always absolutely adored so we're, and we're both mortified we haven't watched it it's and, probably yeah. called Gebingenschweiss Gebingenschweiss um, Dave has obviously Killing Eve which you didn't watch you don't need to say anything you should have seen it you didn't oh I can't yeah. wait to see it though um, to be fair are I they making more of that they are making season 2 yeah. Um, I have the Clinton Affair Which I really wanted to watch Which is this history doc On um, kind of all around the Clinton scandal And apparently it's amazing Again it's been sitting on my planner Haven't watched it I've been too busy watching uh, In the Night Garden And 911 <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grace Anatomy um, Dave you finally have I have I think I know my my other one Is uh, Atlanta season yes. 2 uh, That's Donald Glover's show um, By all accounts That season is brilliant The first season was quite something Um I love Donald Glover and he uh, this is very much his own thing it feels very uh, very much his voice it's singular it's doing weird and interesting things in a year where he released This Is America which I think uh, the, the music video for that was one of the more interesting bits of media uh, 
release this year so I, I really really want to see it and in particular I think reading a lot of sort of top people's lists of the year one episode in particular of this was number one for a lot of people and yet you um, missed it you were too busy watching Love Island <laughs> <laughs> yeah no regrets though no it's regrets a, on Love Island the, the, the trick is guilty pleasure I derive nothing but pleasure from, from yeah, Love Island um, so thank you everyone for listening we hope you enjoyed our TV review obviously we watch far too much TV um, and we will be back next year with more TV talk for Game of Thrones when that returns final season Ooh. yeah we love our Game well, of Thrones I don't know episodes. can we do another we do people do want us do, do people want us to, to record episodes on Game of Thrones well I hope so because like because <sighs> that's going to be really hard to do a lot of people wrote to us last time saying please do it again even last time we didn't have a baby yeah, last time we didn't have a baby and we used to get up at like 5am to watch yeah. it and record it. That well, I guess happening. this time we are up at 5am anyway. Yeah, so. but sadly we won't be watching Game of Thrones. We'll be doing it just a day later, I think, if people want us to. I don't care even if people don't want us Let to. Let us know if you want more Game of Thrones yeah. episodes. Um, but thank you so much everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed our round up of the year. And thank you so much to everyone who wrote to us on Twitter letting us know what they liked and for all your recommendations. Bye, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.